keep going back to our natural ways. Like we live in a 3D world, so like why not think in a 3D world? So if you like that, we're pushing those barriers as designers and mixed realities. Like why are we making ourselves do everything in 2D and think in 2D when our world Everything's 3D. Like if you want to move your couch physically, it's a 3D couch. You have to carry it. Yeah. yeah. So it's more around those things. I think we're gonna push for the next generations to start thinking differently, and it's gonna be more natural mm -hmm. for for human beings. Welcome to Design Drives, your audio experience about what, how, and why design drives things forward. A podcast hosted by Sebastian Gear, together with forward-thinking design practitioners from around the world. This episode, I talk with Anna Sofia Gonzalez, senior designer at Microsoft, working on mixed reality experiences. With her background in industrial design, she merges actually her expertise in 3D with interaction design and explores the future of spatial interfaces. We touch on the process of designing mixed reality experiences, in which areas she actually finds adaption blockers for users to get used to that new technology, and how she finds design solutions. We also talk about how to design with different interaction modalities, how to understand the user scenarios and user problems that you actually solve, which is actually key to explore argumentality. And we also talk about in which kind of areas argumentality in which virtuality in which maybe touch interaction makes most sense to, in order to solve the user's problems. This episode was recorded by IXDA in Milan and I enjoyed the conversation with Anna a lot. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. So I'm here with Anna Sofia Gonzalez. Um, thanks for making the time. Thank you for having me, Sebastian. So you're a senior designer at Microsoft working on mixed reality, especially for work experiences, which I think is super interesting because I think this whole topic of mixed reality really finds an application there. I think even maybe even more than on the consumer space at the moment when it comes to, okay, how can this be, you know, improve productivity and so on. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to speak to you about, you know, mixed reality and design and interaction design. So, but for the audience, if you could give them a little bit of an introduction about how you got into design in the first place, a little bit about your journey and uh, the motivation of being a designer. Yeah, well, I remember when I was in high school, I was very good at math, but I would always take classes like art history and those things. So I remember asking mentors, like, what can I study? And they're like, architecture or industrial design would be a good fit of those things, like It has art and and problem solving. And so from there, I started investigating. And what I loved about industrial design was that it's a collaboration. You don't design by yourself. Like more in architecture is more isolated. And that's how I decided to go to Savannah College of Art and Design and study product design. Mm -hmm. And that from there, uh, starting designing, um, from there start, um, studying, I noticed that I loved more the research phase and the contextual inquiry versus the actual hardware. Mm -hmm. And that's how I started to get into interaction design. And there was a few classes on interaction design at the time. It was one of the first colleges to have it. And thank God I chose that because from, from graduating from college, I was able to, to go and work in a startup in, in Denver. Mm -hmm. So that's how, I started my process into interaction design and, and looking, it was more around like, how can you solve problems through collaboration? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, super interesting. And then in Denver, you already worked in the intersection design field, right? Yes, there I worked um, in a consultancy called Effective UI that is now Ogilvy Matter. Mm -hmm. But I created a lot of really cool experiences. I would do part of the research phase and then also the wireframing phase and mm -hmm. then learned a little bit of the visual. And the great thing about starting in a consultancy is that you have so many projects at the same time that you are learning. So I think... I'm very grateful that my first job was not corporate, it was more consultancy because I was able to get all the hats and learn to every kind of the different design discipline that you have to do to, to actually deliver the work. Mm -hmm. Can you talk maybe a little bit more about the transition from industrial design to interaction design? Yeah, actually in Savannah College of Art and Design, you would have group projects and you have to deliver one product. Usually it would be through people. And I noticed that I hated to do the carpentry part. <laughs> I was so bad at it, the actual making, that I will always volunteer to do the presentation, the research. Uh -huh. So they're like synthesizing the data, understanding what problem we're trying to solve. And their professor, actually Dave Malouf, that's one of the stars of IXDA, he told me, hey, I'm doing this class called HCI human-computer interaction, would you like to join? It's like, great, and that's where I noticed my my interest of more problem solving, but through research and, and actually like software versus designing products that are hardware. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, what's interesting, you know, in mix, when you work on mixed reality is that You sort of, com I mean, if you if you do interfaces there, um, you sort of combine aspects of industrial and, and yes. interaction design in a way, right? Can exactly. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, and that's exactly how I landed in the Hollands. I was doing different experiences in Microsoft, but there was a reorganization, and my manager at times like, "You understand 3D because you study industrial design." I was like, "Sure, I haven't touched on it in five years, but yeah." And then that's how I ended up in mixed reality because I understand the physical forms. And coming back now that I was kind of trained later as a 2D designer, it's just remembering those skills and and just putting physical objects helps me. So if I want to put a hologram and I want to see if the user can touch it, I just put a cup in front of me and then like go two meters over. It's like, okay, so it's coming back into designing in the real world in the 3d world we live in mm -hmm. and it's 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 been great because that's our natural ways to think mm -hmm. we live in a 3d world mm -hmm. how about the, um, the tools i mean the tools are quite different when you sort of create these 3d interfaces and can you maybe talk a little bit how you maybe in terms of your tool chain try to combine your background of industrial design with interaction design yeah so it depends for me that i'm doing more 3d content the tools you can use whichever like solidworks rhino the ones that those are the ones i use alias right now i found this one that is super easy user-friendly to use called bektari And you can even put it in Figma. So you can put your 3D model inside your Figma file. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Super cool. And our actually 3D artists use Maya, Blender, and 3ds Max. But that's just 3D content. To actually design the experience, we generally at Microsoft use Unity for prototyping. I'm not the most technical person, so I've had my troubles with Unity. It's a love-hate relationship. You need to understand C Sharp. But what I've been doing is hacking the system by literally doing Illustrator file 
printing or doing paper and then going two meters away from the wall where I put the paper and try to see if it's clickable or not or usable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then I just present it to the devs and it's like, hey, this is my design from Illustrator. I want this width as of the button. And, and, and that's how I've been hacking it. But obviously, uh, he, my colleagues do use Unity to design. But me coming as a, again, like later trained as 2D and trying to go back to 3D. Yeah. It's, it's my hijacking. <laughs> uh -huh. I mean, that's super interesting. Can you talk more about the, the, this prototyping aspect of mixed reality? I mean, you said like you, you print out papers and, yeah. you know, try to hang it in the room to feel like, you know, how does it feel in 3D space? Yeah. So actually the point field of viewing the Hollands is two meters away, usually where you want to put any UI. So I just put it, I might put like a storyboard, like three in a row. I want this and then from the click, this flow, it goes here and then there. So I just go move like one to two meters away, like sideways mm -hmm. and just try it out. And then I have people that do like animations and like the voice. It's, it's so many different kinds of designers to do a good experience. You have to have the audio designer. You have to have those animations. You have to have technical designers. You have to have a 3D artist. It's not only one UX designer job to make a good experience. Mm -hmm. So you're more involved when it comes to the storyboarding and the initial uh, concept, uh, yeah. concept phase? So what, what I'm most passionate about is actually understanding the problem. I hate it when someone tells me this is a problem. Like, no, maybe you heard it like that. Let's ask the real question. So mm -hmm. I talk to customers and after talking to customers, they're actually listening to their pain points. I say, okay, this is the problem we're trying to solve. And from there, it's aligning with the leadership team. Okay, yes, let's go solve this problem and doing the features that, that that will solve it. So for example, the one I did is like, how do you put a hologram inside the HoloLens, your custom one? Well, the problem was that they didn't know exactly how to put in their local drive and how to create a hologram. So that's why we created this PC app and that's how we helped them to convert it and to, to very easily just put your USB and we'll do everything for you so you don't have to really and I think how to store it, where to put it mm -hmm. and those things. So yeah, I'm more engaged in the part of the strat it's like I like more the strategy and then doing the scenario work and then as well later doing the, the UI work, but not exactly the visual and design. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, this, the whole aspect of you know, mixed reality as a designer, what excites you about this space? I feel like we can empower so many people. We live in a 3D world and we don't, and we've been taught since children to think in 2D. So you have a pen and paper since you're a child. And it's just, why, why do we, it's more natural mm -hmm. to do things in 3D. And so just like being able to activate that power to people and to professionals, it can be, simplify so many processes too. And and even save lives because in like especially for example manufacturing safety is very important and so safety is very important so imagine instead of like going up the stairs and measure height you can have this app with measure ar measurement mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you you're saving some like going from the stairs and maybe falling so i feel like it can bring like so many um, good things in the professional industry mm -hmm. and i mean what's interesting also you work 
not so much on consumer-facing mixed reality solutions, but mm -hmm. prof uh, professional and work mm -hmm. environments, right? Exactly. Can you talk a little bit about the difference maybe in opportunities mm -hmm. and maybe also how it changed the design process? So I feel like the adoption blocker, it's a little bit, there's more adoption blockers with the, the professional because people are still afraid of it. It's like, why will I change my 20-year work process for this? So still like we have to give them value and understand them how they will save either money or how it can help them impact their organization or even their sales, whatever they're trying to achieve. And so for consumer, I feel it's a lot of people that want to try new things and play games. And in profession, you take it more serious seriously and it can help you so much. For example, there's an application that I have helped a little bit with called Product Visualize, well, Microsoft Dynamics 365 Product Visualize. And it's how you can put like your hologram, your machine. But let's imagine that we're talking about customers that have a great box, but inside it's where they hide the liquids, the engines. So imagine that you can go inside and actually look at the chem chemicals or what they are going to be passing through. Like it's just get, unlocks you so much power and just being able to visualize in context mm -hmm. as well. I think it's going to lock uh, many potential like future scenarios for the pro professional workforce. Mm -hmm. I mean, from a, just a personal perspective, I feel like on a consumer side, the problem or the, the you said adaption blocker uh, that, you know, sometimes you need to introduce new behaviors, new habits, new interactions that people are not used to. Right. So that's that's probably an issue. And then you have hardware as well. People need to get or don't have. While I think on the professional side, I mean, you could come up with this rational arguments that you, you might save money, you might I mean, these obvious things you could you can improve to mix reality. You can use them as arguments and you don't really have them on the consumer side because it's not a business, right? So obviously you can, I think with mixed reality, a lot of, you can find a lot of efficiency and business reasons to, in order to make the point why mixed reality is good. So that's why I felt maybe there's more opportunity and less adoption blockers when it comes to professional side. But I think it was also interesting that you point out that At the same time, these companies are legacy companies sometimes and like work in a certain way for a very long time. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, but no, it's every point that you touch. The thing that we were working on was for first line workers. And I think that one was very interesting to see because there were some that were super excited to have a HoloLens and like even have training scenarios, like instead of training in the factory, in the plant, you have this hologram and you train. But there were also people that were skeptical because they're the, the ones that are in the line and they're afraid to put this device because they're not used to it. They barely might have a smartphone. So it's very just a position how, how like it can actually solve problems and a lot of people are eager to use it at work, but there's some that still are a little skeptical because they're not sure about the technology and they don't want to break it. They think that they're wrong. And it's like we, like we as designers have to tell like, no, the user is always right. Mm -hmm. So it's been an interesting problem to see and how it's getting better every time that it's getting more mainstream, right? Yeah. Can you talk maybe about specific solutions you designed for mixed reality professional space where, you know, mixed reality really makes an uh, advantage as you pointed out, obviously the Apple measure product, but you know, maybe you have some from Microsoft. Yeah, some well, on. this one was actually a customer that wanted the measurements. So we put it like, okay, you have the machine that you wanted to place, but you want to see if 
the height when it's on and maybe it spins or there's a rubber arm if it will hit the height of the factory. So he wanted measurements. So we actually, a great designer, a fellow colleague of mine, Yuqing, she designed this AR inside our application measurement tool that it, you can have vertical measurements. And so that was actually one. And he told us it was the stair one. It's like, this saves lines because I was putting people in risk just to go literally with a tape measure, go all the way to the ceiling and see if like how long it's going to be, like how much do we have weight for it. Yeah. So that's like one specific one that was super interesting that we we try to solve and and other colleagues of mine that are in Microsoft Dynamics 365 guides, they have training scenarios that are magical. I remember a customer of ours would start with layout and would put like, okay, we want this machine, but we need the first line worker to to plug it like this or to actually hammer like this. And after creating it inside our app, this actual like layout, how it should how it should be and where it should be located, they would transfer it to guides. And then we have a training scenario for the first line workers with the HoloLens. It's like, this oh, is wow. the, the, the thing that we want to build, but we want to teach you first how you're going to put the hammer or the screw or whatever yeah, yeah. it was. So it was like very fascinating, just like how we are un unlocking those potentials. Yeah, it's super, super fascinating. When you design mixed reality experience, how much do you need to understand or like research the actual scenarios you design for? Because I guess like each scenario and especially if you do like work experiences, I mean, you basically need to dive into like like how this plumber is changing, for example, something on the plane. So yeah, I wonder a little bit about, especially in the initial phase when you do the concepts about like how much you need to research about these different work environments. Yeah, so for, for us, like we have a customer approach, like first customer first. And so we would just not only do whatever one customer would say or be like, I have this problem. It's like, we need to hear that problem like at least three more times so we can actually be like, okay, this mm -hmm. is something that can unlock. So that's how we did it. We would do a lot of customer trips. We go to the factory tours. I actually went to a corporate to the this customer and talked to all the mechanical engineers, how they worked in which tools. Mm -hmm. And from there, that's how after hearing it, that problem in different ways, right? Because it's one is the plumber, but another one might be the janitor, I don't know. So it's just hearing like from different perspectives is the same problem. Like mm -hmm. there, I would create a scenario and we would have personas too. So based on the person, it's like, okay, I am this person and this is my job. This is the challenges I have. And then, okay, how can we help that be unblocked? And then from there, we would be like, okay, this is, this can be the future, like a measurements feature, because mm -hmm. we saw that it would only not help the plumber, but also help the general, also help the person in the line or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you say like you work based on problems you get from customer, but I can imagine with mixed reality, sometimes you don't even build on problem because maybe some of the people don't know what technology could do yes. or, uh, you know, so you need imagination as well. And I can imagine sometimes you build on something that is already working, but you can make it even better. I wonder how much this is also part of the discourse or you work more based on, on problems? And no, it's like this is working and you can be better. Like tape measurement has been forever and then it works. But it's like, but what if instead of like going from here and then go to the other corner and then taking a picture? It's like, what if you just have this device on 
in your headset device yeah. and just do it. So those kinds of things that we actually like do, it was not only the, the problem, but also we saw an opportunity for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, super interesting. You know, I was thinking it would be interesting to talk a little bit about, I mean, the different stakeholders you maybe have in, when it comes to designing mixed reality experience and why it's important that designers are part of the, the conversation when it comes to shaping these experiences. Yeah, no. I feel like right now, especially with innovation, I think designers should be on, on front with the product leads because we bring a different mindset and we bring different perspectives. And I, I think the most important thing that we bring is empathy to the end user. So some of them are more business oriented and we bring both approaches, which can be much, much better. And and for the mixed reality experiences, it's, we we bring like we we have more imagination and we can unlock people that just are limited with the technology constraints we can be like but what if we push it a little bit more mm-hmm. i think we push limits mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the key values mm-hmm. that we bring yeah to your whole experience of working uh, on on mixed reality you know on the conceptual interaction phase are there any principles you discovered or you could share that some of the things that work uh, maybe don't mm-hmm. work well a lot of um, It's the contrast, uh, like with colors, that's a big one. Also like the gaze, the cursor, like how do you do animation when you're gonna do the click? And there's some principles that you can go into the guidelines in Microsoft in how, how to design for it in the MRTK. As well, like I remember at the beginning, we would always, we'll always want to do tag along and tag along is just when the UI continues to go with you everywhere you look, but you don't want that. And then you get dizzy. But mm-hmm. it was something that every designer comes like, it will be cool if you always have the menu with you displayed. Yeah. And then, but then you know, it's like, you, you want to move out. it, then like, let me see the other way. And it's hard. But so that's been one that it's a common mistake when a lot of people enter, enter the mixed reality world. You want to get the interface out of the way sometimes. Right? Uh-huh, yeah. Exactly. So it's just how, how do you balance those things? And a lot of things also occlusion is mm-hmm. a principle and then think about it and the right and also just thinking about the spatial anchors it's it's very it was very technical but yeah there's not necessarily a high level ones like the ones we have the 10 heuristics commandments of design yeah, yeah. i feel like if you follow that and um, just translate it into the 3d and, and understanding the technical constraints It was interesting what you said about getting the interface out of the way. I used the Microsoft HoloLens quite a bit in my work. You know, it gets annoying when the interface is there the whole time, right? And then, and then you, mm-hmm. you want to have one interaction where oh, you pull it up, mm-hmm. right? One easy interaction. So super Yeah, and it's looking at, at those things like when, when do people need it? And so when it's giving the user the control, right? At the end of the day, it's just like you have the control to say whenever you want the UI display, whenever you want to go back to the menu. In, in those things. Mm-hmm. Wonder a little bit about what are the different disciplines you need to pull together for mixed reality experiences? Um, so for example, in my current team that we're doing, um, we're switching a little bit to smart, smartphones. Mm-hmm. We have a technical artist that does a lot of the 3D content. And then we have a technical interaction designer. So he rocks their Unity can prototype technical and it's also rockstar with interaction design. And then uh, we have like, uh, we're three UX designers with similar backgrounds. And that's like one, but what we're missing that we should have is audio designer too. Voice design as well, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that's a really important one as well. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. How, how, how long does it usually take? Well, it depends on team, on the, the each team and each product. But we we do, for example, private preview. And the great thing is that we talk to the customers. And so we give them like actual prototypes, hacky prototypes, hey, try it out. They give us feedback. And then we're like, this is not... The, it's, not, it's still not solving what I wanted or or the interaction is bad. I did not understand it was the delete button, those kind of things. So it's been great to having private preview and we try to, I mean, a new team, which is a little more innovation. So we haven't like, re, we're barely releasing stuff to our private preview, but other teams do ship once a month interactions. Mm-hmm. So for example, product visualizing, you know, like they do something once a month. And even if it's a small change or a big change or whatever it is. So it depends on, on the application and the cadence. Mm-hmm. But usually you want to, our new philosophy is like, fill fast. So yeah. put it out there, understand, and, and so we can continue. Mm-hmm. And you said you work on smartphone applications mm-hmm. as well, as well as headsets. And how is that you know, cross-platform interaction working? I mean, the interactions on a mobile device are quite different than on if you have it on a HoloLens, right? I wonder a little bit how the challenges may be on cross-platform solutions, or are you always focusing on one device, or do you have any experience on, on that topic? So, like in a team I was before, we were started to think like, hey, what if they're complementary? What if you're in the HoloLens to actually like put the couch, the hologram and start looking at it. But what if the phone is where you have the keyboard and make comments on it? Mm-hmm. Or it's like uh, the input medium, the right? Input. Uh, uh-huh. The tactile input medium in a way. Right? So it can, I feel like they can be complementary and we have not yet unlocked it completely, but I hopefully like one of the other teams can, can do it soon. But yeah, like, and especially in the future, we have multiplayer, like maybe someone can be in the smartphone looking at the object that someone is placing on the HoloLens. Mm-hmm. So I think they should play along with, with each other. But that say when I design, I've been designing experiences by themselves and they have each their own constraints. So it just depends of what you want. Like in HoloLens, the keyboard, it's not, it's a little harder to, to use a keyboard than in a smartphone because you're used to it and you can do it faster, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, the smartphone, you're still looking 3D inside 2D. So it's different than looking 3D in the 3D world. Mm-hmm. So it's just what do you want to choose? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's super interesting. And also some of the principles might change in terms of the, the interaction, right? Want a little bit about the levels of, of differences w- yeah. when it comes to these two platforms? Well, the difference is one is the gestures, obviously. Yeah, uh, you have gestures in, in glasses. You don't have that. In, I, uh-huh. in exactly. So and you do the swiping, right? Or the rotating with fingers and in the smartphone and so that that's one that's a big differentiator but for example the the menu get out of the way well right now like the phones do that like for example i have an iphone and if i want to go back to the menu i have to it's not pull it up how you have to pull it up so it's it has a lot of similarities mm-hmm. it's just thinking about the gestures like a little bit different mm-hmm. but the ux principles are or should be the same it's like you should be have control of whenever you want to pull up the menu, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the same, same thing, the same human needs. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, since we're here at uh, Interaction 20, we can also speak a little bit maybe about the future of interaction design and maybe your points of view on this. So, I mean, where do you see, you know, key opportunities moving forward and, you know, where do you see it going? Well, for me, I'm really excited that we are unlocking 
unlocking going back to our natural ways. Like we live in a 3D world, like why not think in a 3D world? So I feel like that, we're pushing those barriers as designers and mixed realities. Like why are we making ourselves do everything in 2D and think in 2D when our world, everything's 3D. Like if you want to move your couch physically, it's a 3D couch, you have to carry it. Yeah. yeah. So it's more around those things. I think we're going to push for the next generations to start thinking differently about things. And it's going to be more natural mm-hmm. for, for human beings. Mm-hmm. If you look at, you know, game design, you know, there are a lot of principles also, I think you could overlap with some of the things that come up with these interfaces in, in, in mixed reality. Do you have any specific, you know, experiences on, in, in that regard? I do not have any experience in video or gaming, but a lot of my peers in mixed reality come from video games. Yeah. And so it's also great because they're great at storytelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And so they There's a lot of similarities, this, uh-huh. I think. Yeah. Yeah. They bring that storytelling. They understand, like, again, the tools like Unity. They understand, like, the 3D content, like what is a polygon, like how many meshes, like the rendering time. So it's just amazing that it's so had so many similarities. Mm-hmm. What would be your advice to all the interaction designers who want to get experience in mixed reality or want to get into that space? Just don't be afraid, just like download applications that you see, like Adobe is like re- has been releasing one. Like there's so many applications now out there, out there to design for 3D. Mm-hmm. Just like start playing around with it. And everybody's new at this. So there's it, no right space, or wrong. Right? Yeah. It's a new space. There's no right answer. There's not and not anyone with ex- expertise, a hundred percent. Like it's so new that I actually I think it's a good time to get started because we're all learning together. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to be enabled to really from mixuality to breakthrough? I think just uh, putting in more mainstream and having a little bit more standards. Yeah, but I feel like until we learned. We learn like what's working, what's not working. We'll we'll understand like what should be the standards. Mm-hmm. You know, now we talked a lot about mixed reality, but a lot of talk about augmented reality and VR as well. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the the difference you see and maybe why you're excited about mixed reality specifically? Mm-hmm. Well, for me, I think uh, augmented reality is a little more complicated, and I like very complex problems to solve. It gives me more adrenaline. And VR, I feel like it's more like gamifiable uh-huh. so in that sense it's more for uh, easier to solve like i feel like it's more like consumer based still a little bit and so what excites me right now is it's the augmented reality version of mixed reality but just think about it how in the future they can all be like married like you can start in a smartphone then through headset uh, device and yeah, go through vr scale, huh? so or like someone can join through virtual reality and attend your meaning that you're in AR. So I feel like there's going to be so much things that can be unlocked in the future with with both of them. Uh, for me, I'm really excited of the limitations of augmented reality, how we can break them. Maybe as a, a last question before we mm-hmm. um, wrap it up, we're talking about the impact of design again. What were some of your projects in the past where you really had the feeling you could drive things forward? coming from the design perspective to the table. One that really, really pa- like passionated me is like when I was doing freelancing in Mexico, it was financial application system, a financial application. And so it was how to simplify to get a mortgage 
for people that don't know anything about finances. And it was literally also having blog posts of helping them how to save money, helping them how to, hey, like this is how much you need to save for a mortgage and and concentrating on the culture and the specific users and just giving them the ability, like you can be financial savvy too, especially in emerging economies like Mexico. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was super passionate because I know I was doing, actually helping people getting their finances and not getting scared about getting mortgages or talking to people in the banking systems. So that was one of the ones that I felt like as a designer, I was able to impact them not getting scared to, to learn about how to to do the, the, their finances. Um, I change it instead of going like speaking in very financial terms, like switch it into terms that they would understand a friend mm -hmm. as if they're talking to them. Mm -hmm. And that was super, I, I loved it. And I feel like because of the insights that I brought of like understanding the, the human the, and the human need and also the culture mm -hmm. there um, and how they're afraid of, of hierarchy, I was able to impact the product. Mm -hmm. I love the story. Thank you so much for, for sharing all the insights. It was really great to dive into a mixuality. I think more than ever on any podcast episode so far. So <laughs> it was great to really make a, a deep dive. That was the episode. If you want to give us feedback on the podcast, have something to contribute to the next episode, or just want to get in touch, feel free to connect with us either on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram messages, or simply via the designdrives.org website. We love to hear from you. <laughs>